0: Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are Power for Impact. Hello, I am Ron Huntley, your host. Today's episode is titled Releasing Potential and Bringing Change with my guest, Rich Robinson. You'll want to have one finger on the pause button and the other hand taking notes that you will turn into helpful tweets later. And please don't forget to tag me. This is gold, people. Enjoy today's conversation.
1: Lift off and the clock has started.
0: Knowing who we are, Knowing whose we are and knowing what our purpose is makes life so much fun. With me today is Rich Robinson, a man who has a call. And I'm so blessed to know him. Welcome to the show, Rich.
1: Oh, it's wonderful to be with you, Ron. Looking forward to today and our conversation. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. As we began
0: to talk before the show, we just realized we want to lay this out in the form of a series. And so stay tuned. There is going to be more to come. But today, I wanted to introduce people to you as a way of starting so that they kind of know who you are. And, and maybe we'll talk a little bit today about releasing potential and bringing change. And so that's what that's what we're going to try to talk about today. And so, Rich, tell me a little bit about how you encountered Christ in a way that transformed your passion because you are a man of passion.
1: Yeah. So I was uh, at college at university in Sheffield in in England and studying economics, uh, happily going about my business and doing a little bit of study, probably more, more sport, more enjoying, enjoying life. And, um, I, I, really connected with two two guys who were playing soccer in the universe, the college team. So I play played college sports and they, they were different. They they were brilliant at sport, uh, which was a, 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 a kind of a scorecard for me at that, yeah, that stage in life. That's attractive. Like you, that, that's, that's like you're actually good at good at soccer, not not sort of nice but not. Um, and just really different. They held themselves, they carried themselves differently. Mm. So they they didn't drink, didn't swear uh they they were they were interested they were engaged, and so there was just something different about them. I had no words, no knowing sort of frame of reference for who they were and what they were, but through a friendship and i I now look back and to make a long story short, it was friendship, alpha in the front room, or conversations around the table on the on the kind of team bus, and really kind of a couple of years of just journeying this head-to-heart engagement with God and seeing it in the lives of two two great, mm. great friends. Um, and so I, I came to faith in, in this context of reading the Bible around the kitchen table with Christians and non-Christians, kind of this sort of 10, 15, 20 people kind of tribe, kind of dynamic. And, and again, I, I look back now, 20-something years on, and and it, it was this kind of missional community, this missional household who loved Jesus, loved sport, were at university, at college, just be, being being good news on on the campus. And so that that was my sort of 19, 20, 21 formative years coming coming to faith. And so I encountered God in in the life of another, mm. around the kitchen table, and in the context of of community. And so through my twenties, there was this wonderful dynamic missional. Church and, and missional culture that I was formed in as a young adult. So, this rhythmic pattern of prayer. So, as a 20 something year old, we would pray five times a day as community. We, we lived on the, the council estates, the housing projects. We did kids and youth ministry, shared our faith, lived incarnationally. And, and I, I hit my late 20s and, and had a moment of sort of becoming aware that this wasn't normal. What, what I'd sort of <laughs> it took you that long, that's yeah, awesome, <laughs> yeah, it is was like this this is church, and this is you read the Bible to hear and obey, and you you just you kind of apprentice others as your apprentice and you're socialized in community and you share your faith and and so I, it it was sort of this dawning realization that perhaps perhaps there was something unique about this, it shouldn't be, but there is something unique about this environment, and there was lots of bumps and challenges along the way, but really at that moment probably late 20s early 30s one of the key words for me was how does what is normative for me become normative for others and I think probably that was one of my defining sort of how is what's been invested in me how do I how do I gift that and invest that into others and so that really started the journey through my 30s of understanding myself understanding my leadership um Anna Anna, my wife and I started having children, settling into sort of family and, and leadership and and inca- again, incarnational family ministry, going from mm-hmm. young adult to to marriage to parenting and all all the, the crucible of learning learning your own sin and selfishness and learning a bunch of leadership lessons by accident and <laughs> default and and just this wonderful sort of through my 30s, really being able to to better understand myself and what God had placed in me to, to be able to serve others, uh, but also beginning to, to create training environments and toolkits and working as part of existing ministries and creating some of our own. Um, and then, yeah, lots of different pieces we could talk about in that, that sense. But I think my passion probably comes from my personal experience, so having experienced something that i i desire to give to others and then probably some of my my wiring just the the way that i see the world um i just love i love other people coming alive i love other people realizing their full potential living into the fullness of life that jesus has won for us and, and honestly whether that's a, a people whether it's a, a group of people maybe a, a team or a community uh, or maybe an organization or a, a geography or a denomination whatever it be there, there's just that sense for me of people understanding identity and ministry sort of who they are in terms of covenant identity and what they're on the earth for and and how they live into the fullness of god God's what god's got for them how god's wired them and and what god's asking them to to step into so Yeah, long answer to a short question.
0: Oh, no, the best answer ever. Uh, One of the scriptures that that came to mind uh, that I shared earlier that I just want to share with folks from Ephesians chapter two, it says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's when I hear you saying you want to unleash, you want to see people, or whether it's a person, whether it's a team, whether it's a tribe, whether it's a geography, whether it's a denomination, you want them to discover that very thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the wonderful thing is, Ron, that is, that is something that I can't do, but God can. Yes. And I have the privilege and pleasure to partner with him at work. So there's no sort of magic toolkit or list or or kind of key that you you get to use to unlock it. It really is seeking to to serve and to partner with where God's at work. and and really to help help people to both hear and obey. I think mm-hmm. probably that is as I think about some of the frames that we use, that that sense of awareness to God's word and God's work. So hear, be attentive, listen, be aware of what, what God's word is and where God is at work. And, and then also the, the flip side of that then is, is actually stepping into that and that sense of obedience, of, of innovation, of purpose, of intent, uh, of incarnation. So and we, t- we talk about sort of imagination and incarnation, sort of unlocking something of that imagination, of, of looking looking above, looking beyond, listening to where God might be speaking and, and looking for where he might be at work. And then actually the word became flesh, sort of not not just leaving it as concept or, or potential, but actually step, stepping in, stepping out, having a go. And and often stumbling, stumbling forward or sort of two steps forward, one back, three sideways, or first time it didn't work, second time it didn't work. But I kept learning, kept trying and Fourth, fifth time maybe, and sixth time it worked. So again, there's no like we always say when we coach when we train that there's no sort of neatly manicured path or stairway or or escalator that takes takes you to where God's got. We we use the frame of Psalm 23 a lot, where we talk about change is never up and over, change is always down and through. It's always down and through the valley. Like the, the world, the world sells you the Kind of toolkit and sort of task list, and you'll just go up and over, and it'll get it'll get better, and then even better, and then even better, and even better, and yeah, it, it's always death before resurrection. It's always valley before mountaintop. It's always desert before promised land. We we need to journey this with God. Um, so yeah, but challenging people to have a greener pasture that's worth the valley, mm. and a, and a faith that can help you to be resilient and purposeful and persevere through the value. Vital things to, to release change and, and to release potential, definitely.
0: I want to get back to one of the things you said, Rich, around imagination and incarnation. I just want to get back to it because sometimes one of the things that I, I pick up on in speaking to people or coaching people is that it's almost like imagination, that's for kids. Yes, you know, yeah. like like that's yeah. like that's for people that aren't logical, aren't rational, don't have enough life experience, that are childish and immature. And so, say a little bit about why imagination is what role, like, because, and and even for our listeners, like, I, I want to talk about this in terms of leadership and and the role that plays, but also in terms of our prayer life, like.
1: uh absolutely! I'm just going to. I've got it. Got a couple of imagination quotes. I'm just going to see if I can uh, pull pull them up. Um. I think that the sad, the sad piece for me is that imagination or dreaming has become, as you say, almost a sort of pejorative term, a negative term. A dreamer is somebody who has a, a whole. like The definition is somebody who has ideas but never actions them. That's one of the dictionary dictionary definitions of, of dreamer. And and I think, but what what was what what was Moses? What what was Abraham sort of what was Esther Deborah like that they were dreamer, like David like w- these wonderful heroes of the faith
0: yes. like
1: si- Simon Peter didn't have a strategic plan from Jesus on the beach of come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men is is one of the most ethereal conceptual kind of cotton wool and fairy dust and I, I who know who knows what it might be um and, and yet there was this compelling sense for, for uh, Simon Peter to say, yes, I, I want to follow. So I, I think for me, absolutely, there is a sense that imagination and dreaming is something that's been hijacked. And, and we prioritize we prioritise adult intellect over childlike faith. And, and even Jesus is challenging to be, be like little children, like mm-hmm. little children like in in the best possible way with, with health, we don't all have healthy role models as fathers we some of us don't have fathers so it, it's it's sort of i say this with that caveat but yes. most children with healthy parents that they they do expect and hope and dream and there is a sense of mom and dad can do anything and help me do anything and like they can change the world and they can probably fly and there's just this sort of amazing wow this like the world is huge with mum and dad and and we've lost that sense of dreaming as the people of God. we're, we're we've we've sort of become more pragmatic than prophetic uh, we've become more managerial uh, rather than a sense of visionary and and really then when something like covid comes And our well-worn patterns and our maps that exist and our systems that we know, when they're disrupted and there's the the cultural earthquake, Mm -hmm. all we can see is how do we go back to what we know? And without imagination, it's very hard to to dream or imagine or see a frame for the future. So imagination, I say one of the things is imagination is the, the frontier beyond our understanding. And so, we we have this sense of what we know and what has worked and and what we're there. But actually, imagination takes us beyond beyond what we know. And and again, we're into the realm of faith. What we're sure and we're certain of what we we don't yet see, but we we know is there. And and so there's that sense. Imagination is is godly imagination. It's kingdom imagination. It's not just idealism or or sort of escapism or or sort of like. Self-promotion, or sort of, I, I, I imagine one day I'm going to be rich and famous, or play football for England, or kind of change the world. There's actually a sense of, again, m- movements change the world. Movements are are really the currency of movements. One of the currencies of movements is imagination. So Mother Teresa, Mahatma Gandhi, Steve Jobs, like you, the the list go the, the list can go on. Mm. Um, Martin Luther King is, it, Martin Luther King. It wasn't. I have a to-do list or I have a strategic plan or I have a vision or mission statement. It was I have a dream. Amen. And and that that sense for me of God works in that domain. God, God is inhabiting that domain. And so, yes, we need we need to both redeem what it means to dream and imagine, but we also need to practice what, what it is to to dream and imagine. So as a my 13-year-old daughter's learning Spanish and so i'm i'm learning a language she's te- teaching me as she learns herself and and i can i can speak speak the queen's english being an englishman i can i can do a little bit of french i did french at, at school but learning a brand new language you realize just how much you don't know and how awkward it is and how hard it is and and it's it's tough and and sort of imagination is like learning a new language it it really is sort of learning the the cadence of it and the framework of it and practicing it and you you get better as you practice so Mm. yeah
0: i'm glad you said that because i know that there are people that maybe dreaming or or imagination comes easier not that it's easy but it comes easier and then there are people that are very thorough thinkers that plans and, and maps and that stuff is really important to them and so dreaming isn't just for dreamers like this imagination is what God is calling us into. And, and, and it, and for some, that might be more of a step of faith, more of a step of trust than maybe others, but, but, but we're still need to go there if we're going to lead, because it seems to me in the condition that we're in and I, I, coach into the context of the Catholic Church. And I don't think we're going to manage our way out of the issues that we find ourselves in. It is going to require leadership. And imagination, from what I'm hearing from you, is going to be one of those skills, one of those, those fields that we're going to have to walk into, that we're going to have to step into with God, in trust, in faith, so that we can get inspired in a way that's beyond our understanding. Is that what you're
1: saying? Are oh, definitely wrong. Definitely, we, we're not. We're not going to just take take what has worked, and and it. If we're honest, it, it wasn't fully working before COVID. Some some of the systems that we had, and it's not that the traditions and the depth of of just truth and wisdom. It, it's not throw throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is a, an English saying. It's not sort of going going completely extreme and saying we we. Kind of blow everything up and start again, and kind of rip up the paper. What it's saying is, again, we talk about principle and practice, or or skeleton and skin. So the skeleton are the, or the skeleton or the key principles are universal, biblical. The biblical principles, their, their strategy, their values. They transcend any culture, any context. They they are who we are. Any crisis, exactly. They they are the kingdom, the biblical principles. In those kingdom principles, we need contextual practices. Mm. So, how those principles are expressed are very different in different contexts. So, if I talk about worship as a kingdom principle, a biblical principle, worship is a principle, but the practice of worship could be one person on their own in silence. It could be three people with a guitar. It could be a thousand people staring at a, a, a musically trained musician. And, and those practices are different in different contexts and have different different engagements. And so often we try and recreate the practices. So we're trying to copy the practice rather than understanding the principle. And so some of these principles are what need to be uncovered. The practices aren't necessarily possible over the last 12 months. Some of the practices are off the table okay, so if, if that, what was the principle that we were embedding and we were embodying?
0: Yes. And
1: then if, if the, just because we can't meet on a Sunday to sing practice, doesn't mean we don't embrace the principle of worship. Right. We just have to shift the practice. Mm-hmm. And again, that takes some imagination and some innovation to go, we can't do it that way. So What's another way to do it? And so I think often we're trying to recreate practices or, and, and copy, and we, we're held on the practice, how it looks, rather than under the surface, the skeleton, what, what's undergirding it? What's the key principle? So And probably the final piece, just to yeah. circle back around to something you said, Ron, of that need for imagination is for everyone. On that sliding scale at the other end, incarnation is there for everyone. So so there'll be some leaders that are, I'm gonna live it out, get it done, make it real, live in the now and their challenge is is to toward that imagination. So if you've got your head down, you're walking, you're walking, you need to kind of look up and see where am I walking to? What's the direction? We've got to look up occasionally and sort of if we're swimming in the sea, look up and see where are we swimming towards? If we're walking, where are we going towards? And so, so for the more sensory concrete pushing towards incarnation, that there needs to be some dreaming and imagination. On the flip side, if, if you're a, a more imaginative and, and imagination is your currency and your, and your bent, actually the challenge is, well, how do those dreams, how do those words, what, what you're hearing, how do you obey? How do you put into practice? How do you live into that? And so maturity is not, maturity is both. It, mm-hmm. It's not, one is better than the other. Again, we, we make the mistake often of, of esteeming the, the, the visionary, the, the solo heroic genius, the sort of Moses coming down the mountain with the, the five-year strategic plan for the church of how we're going to change and start and do. and, But, but actually, we're a people and maturity is both imagination, and incarnation.
0: Yes. And that whole people concept, as you're talking about it, I, I'm wondering if there's leaders listening to this going, yeah, more like this or more like that. How can I be more like this? How can I be more like that? But that's where teams are so helpful. Yes. And so, like, boy, I'll tell you, working out of a team, can, it, it, it takes all the pressure off of you, and it helps us to identify where we lie in those areas and how we work together to collaborate to, to so that God will be glorified through our synergy. And that's so much fun fun like it's so much fun compared to trying to be the perfect leader which good if you figure it out let me know <laughs> like good, luck, yeah, with good that. luck good luck
1: yeah yeah good luck
0: right so um, it really is a, an opportunity to to learn how to work out of teams and and I think for us in the catholic context through this season of covid we have had to innovate i had a great podcast with our local bishop not that long ago about about this whole digital reality and and the yeah. difference between official liturgy and, and personal devotions and and there's just such a dance in there that's so fun and exciting and engaging. I think the tragedy will be through this period if we don't grow as leaders during this season because it's for it's painful. Like this this morning in prayer, yep. I was thanking God for the problems I'm facing right now, the deadlines I have, the pressure I'm under, because it's forcing me to grow. And it's exciting. It's hard. Yep. But I'd rather have that problem than twiddling my thumbs wondering what I was going to do with my life. Like they're great problems, but to not embrace them and invite God into them and, and commit to growth through this season, to me that would be the biggest crime of all.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the, the people that wanted comfort were the people that walked away from Jesus, hmm. uh, and yet, often, our our 21st century gospel has been softened, made more palatable. Sort of, come come follow Jesus and he give him your to do list your wish list your your help list, whereas jesus's sobering words were as you lose your life you'll you'll find it and and that's that that is a counter cultural prophetic challenge to to me and I, I I both hate those words and love those words in equal measure and i know this is <laughs> this is public and but i'll I'll go there anyway my flesh just just says no no please please no but that—that that is the the clarion call of a disciple: is to is to submit to Jesus, sacrifice, and find life in the midst of in the midst of death. Find resurrection in the midst of of crucifixion, and and attend to the the hard and the dark and and the the vulnerable places in in your your life and your ministry. It really is that. Potential isn't just about getting stronger in your strengths. Mm. Potential is also becoming more Christ-like in your weakness. So releasing potential isn't just, oh, I go from an A to an A star. It's actually naming the, this is where I'm failing right now. And, And in this point, in my weakness, God's power is made perfect. But actually, am I naming that weakness? Am I inviting God into that weakness? And am I journeying with others to become more Christ-like in that weakness? Or am I just posting my edited highlights on social media, putting a brave face on and and trying to tell everyone and position everyone to see see the bits I'm good at and, and I'm I'm strong and so 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 for me, Ron, part of releasing my potential is seeking to be more patient around my kids. Or to, to work through some of some emotional trauma from leadership over the last 15 years. And part of releasing potential is actually speaking less and listening more and empowering more rather than leading more. So there really are those moments. And, and again, that Jesus takes, takes up the cloth, kneels down and, and washes his disciples feet while they're bickering and arguing about kind of their position in the you just the irony of that of that sort of it's like while you're arguing about who's the greatest (laughs) i'll be down here cleaning animal excrement off your feet Uh, and you just think that that's our savior that that's the model of leadership that that we are to pattern ourselves after um and that's a that that's again beautiful and broken. I look at that and I think everything in me says yes. And and honestly, there's a whole lot in me that says no. Yeah.
0: You know, you got to think, that's one of the things I love about our faith is if I was going to write a manual on faith and Savior, I wouldn't put all the stuff in that's actually in. Like there's so much in there that's so Honest and flawed, and it just shows human nature and people and teams in such such an embarrassingly real way. It's like, no, you got to hide that. You just got to show the strength and the intelligence. And the, no, it's messy. To your point, while well, you're arguing about who's the best and where you're going to be sitting yeah. as, the, as the savior of the world, I'm just going to be down here cleaning.
1: It's just, and and I I think, Ron, that's where, from my perspective, as we journey, as we journey with a a leader or a team or an organisation, it it really is. We we use the Psalm twenty three, this sort of arc and down into the valley, and we we say, let's name your status quo. Let let's name your reality, not not aspirational, but but reality. What? Look at yourself. Look at your system. Where where are you in deficit? Where where have you made assumptions? Where do you have sort of paradigms, mental maps that don't fit the territory, where, where are you actually detrimental to your vision because of your activity or your your budget or your staffing or your structures? Like where are you actually hindering yourself? And, and, yes. and what what are you carrying? And so we're naming the reality sober but and knowing there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, helping people to then identify that greener pasture. And that greener pasture may be a personal one. It may be a professional one. It may be our organization's vision. It may be our team. It may be myself. Maybe our family. Mm. And that might be one year away, three years away, five years away. It may even be the end of the day. Like that's where I want to get to. And then you map and you name the the valley and the journey. So you you name how do I cross the threshold? How do I persevere through the valley? And how do I attend to and, and contend for? the priorities to help me to to see the greener pasture come to reality. And and in in that, that is knowing that, that, that our world is more like it, it's sort of systems thinking. We we live in this kind of interconnected world. So I often talk about life as a Rubik's Cube rather than a jigsaw. So rather than a, a two-dimensional jigsaw and we put the corners in, we build the build the sides and then we add the middle life is, and leadership is far more like a a Rubik's cube. You've got one side and it's all white and you're there. And then you go the other side and you think, I need need to move this yellow tile. And by the time you've moved the yellow tiles, the the white's got green in it. And and so you're constantly this three-dimensional puzzle that there's no simple kind of technical solution to go, you fix yeah. this, then this, this. And, and is, and the, is there an alg- a complicated algorithm? Absolutely. I have an 11-year-old son that can now fix a Rubik's Cube in about four seconds because he knows the pattern. There's a pattern. You, you get these bits, these bits, these bits, but it's a complicated pattern. It's not one side. It's yeah. these corners and the inside. So there is a pattern to that life and and to, to fixing the Rubik's Cube. but. It, again, it takes practice. It takes intent. It takes learning. But but often we're we're looking for two dimensional solutions in a three dimensional world.
0: Man, I just want to pause for twenty five seconds and take that in. That's that is very true, and you've just given me the inspiration to go back and learn how to do that Rubik's cube. I never did figure that as a kid. I think I'll be a better coach if I can learn how to do that. It's
1: what YouTube was invented for. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's right. Go get the help I need. That is so helpful. And oftentimes, particularly in coaching, I I remember kind of coming alongside a fellow who just, I just believe in so much in their church and what they're doing. And and they were thinking about getting into um, coaching and I just really encouraged them because it's just so helpful because we do need flesh on it. We do need to, these ideas incarnated and we need to help people. And And so they did. And, and at the beginning, they had a very sequential, almost like a learning diagram, like a, a, a very sequential, this is what we're going to do. And I kind of thought, Oh, that's, I know why that's there, because that's how that person thought. And when I followed up with them, you know, four or five months later, I said, how's that going for you? Because I knew it wouldn't work. I said, yeah, we scrapped that. <laughs> I just kind of laughed because it, <laughs> you can't just, and I often get asked that from clients too. It's like, well, where's the map? And it's like, well, you're, you're the map. <laughs> yeah. you know, we got to figure you out. And I said, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, what are we going to do this time? What are we gonna do you mean? It's, it, it, it's not that simple. It, it really is complex, but yeah. yeah, it works. Like we can, God wants us to get from here to there. He wants us to get from fruitless to fruitful. He wants us to get from disheartened to exuberant. He wants us to get to, you know, from, from a place of not bearing any fruit in the form of transformed lives to unbelievable amount of transformed lives. He, that's what he wants for us. Yeah. So it is possible, but it's not always straightforward.
1: Definitely not, Ron. We we use we use the language of marker posts rather than maps. So what we would talk about is generational growth or or iterative growth. So that innovation piece is you you sort of create your future rather than invent and and invent your future rather than just you so you dream it, but then you actually create it and invent it. So we, we talk about a three generation rule where you prototype generation one, you make it, you break it, and you learn. You get started season two the second second generation is is pilot so there's a there's a kind of working hypothesis and a theory and and so you're testing it in a couple of locations you've got some knowledge and data and learning and then number three kind of generation three is a is a product or a process so it's either something that can scale or it's a process that can be multiplied and so that sense of part, kind of prototype pilot product or process you, you think about I'm really glad I didn't get to wear the first seatbelt or crash helmet or you just think I'm glad there was a lot of prototyping and piloting before I got the product but yet we have this myth that everything should work first time and if it doesn't work first time it's a failure I'm a failure so we talk about these marker posts generation one generation two generation three and, and generation isn't a people generate it's not sort of 5 right. years 10 years it's yes. one cycle second cycle by the time you get to a third cycle there's something we're scaling and those marker posts of cycle 1 cycle 2 cycle 3 when you get to cycle 3 you get to look ahead and think how do i scale but you also get to look back and create a map so maps are created backwards rather than forwards so the only the only reason we have maps now is because somebody explored a new territory at some point and then wrote it down once they'd explored it. So we get to make maps by passing marker posts and looking backwards rather than looking forward or taking an old map. So I, I often, and Alan Hirsch that I train alongside and work with, he often, he kind of says, try, try navigating London with a map of New York. Like, how's that going to work for you? And, and, and at the moment, and with COVID, just COVID's just pressed fast forward on a lot of yeah. this. It's sort of, it is trying to navigate a new terrain with an old map. And, and it's not that the old map is completely obsolete. There's some treasure and value in that map, but actually we need to take some of the components from the map, explore new territory, and then actually we get to be the map makers for those, those that come after us.
0: That's exactly the process. I mean, you just gave words to the process that Father James and I experienced at St. Benedict. We didn't have a map. We had a passion. We had a we 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 had a belief of what was possible, and then we just try. You know, we just step forward and had to go, and then then come the books.
1: Yeah, (laughs) then comes the map. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's your that's your gift as a pioneer is that others get to follow, follow your tracks and and learn. And it's not a a kind of a magic divine renovation checklist of do X, Y, Z, but it is, but it is, we, we failed four times. We learned every one of those four times, the fifth time worked. So actually let me share the wisdom of the fifth time, which is really the combined wisdom of four failures and one success. But but the problem, and is, a again, lot of people, people
0: helping us in the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't just the two of you kind of blazing a lone trail and coming up with the goods. Absolutely. But, but again, I think one of the myths is that it worked the fifth time and therefore it should work the first time, or it, it's in the book and therefore I I should. So again, I think it comes back imagination and innovation. Part of that is is. The freedom to fail. It's the confidence to fail. It's the it's the, the the kind of tenacity and audacity to experiment and and try and trial. And again, I I think the, the, the church has has lost some of its sense of adventure, mess, frontier. Um, and I I think that's I, it, it's a kind of Aslan in a cage. Kind of, we'll go go look at Aslan at the zoo rather than this sense of of might but safety strength but sacrifice this this beautiful jesus that we've tamed and sanitized at points and and i and i don't say that to be kind of combative i, I it saddens me i i think i i have three kids and i i want them to to fall in love with an adventurous jesus a world changing jesus it, the church as an agent of world transformation, and not just what it means to be a Christian—is Sunday attendance, Tuesday night Bible study, giving a certain percentage, and those are all those are all marks, those are all parts and, and rhythms and practices of being a Christian. But actually, the the sense of of passion rather than duty, the sense of relationship rather than religion—there's something there. And, And we haven't touched on mission and and evangelism and sharing our faith. We'll, we'll get there at some point in our sort of the 19th podcast in the series as we, as we talk, talk, talk our way around the houses. But um, I, I think that that faith, uh, an adventurous, imaginative, active incarnational faith is very attractive. It's the, the strongest apologetic we have is the life that we live in a, in a postmodern, 21st century, uh, dot, 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 all the different uh, ways, the challenges that we see right now, uh, the way we live speaks volumes.
0: Well, look at how this whole podcast started today. You on the soccer pitch, Mm -hmm. noticing two guys that something was different. And I agree. And, And that's, so, you know, as we wrap up, I just want to, so all the people, I'm going to play this podcast 15 times just for the record. <laughs> I'm just going to keep re-listening to this over and over. I've been so edified by our conversation, by your wisdom, by your experience, Rich. And I just pray that as everyone listens, as people listen to this, that you would let the words sink in, like get your notepad out and take some notes and pray over it and, and be convicted of some of these things that might be jumping off the page at you because God loves you he has a heart for you he wants you to thrive he wants you to flourish he wants you to experience and realize your potential and to bring about the change that will bring life and 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 the love of jesus to others amen 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 rich thanks so much for being with us today
1: thank you for having to join
0: the reason for these conversations is so that you and the people you lead with can swim in the water of growth. You can grow every day. Please take some time to comment, share, and rate the show. Stay close to Jesus in your parenthood, in your business, and as you work together to renew your parish. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember... If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.